someone asked, where are you going after chapter one? Let, let's wait and see till we get through with chapter one. <laughs> Don't know. Uh, that's all that the Lord has laid on my heart for now. Today, we will do the introduction, lay the foundation for uh, that which will be coming. You can help by reading it. Read it during the week. Get familiar with, with chapter 1 of Ephesians. The title of this series will be called Knowing Who You Are or Knowing Who We Are in Christ. Knowing Who We Are in Christ. Hopefully, prayerfully, I will set the precedence for that this, this afternoon. If you have your Bibles with you, will you turn to Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 1 through 3, and we're not going to get that far. Matter of fact, um, I may allude to the verses, but I may not even step into the verses. It is good to see Mr. Isaiah all the way back from Poland. Amen. Let's, let's give God some praise. Was it a good experience? Amen, amen, amen. A very gifted, gifted young man. I believe his gifts are going to take him many places. But the Lord can keep you wherever you go. Amen, amen, amen. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 1 through 3. I shall be reading at least the beginning verse, the foundation verse for today from the Amplified Bible. You should be able to follow me uh, from the screen before you. And it reads as such in our, in our hearing. Paul, an apostle, a special messenger of Christ Jesus, the Messiah, by the will the purpose and the choice of God to the saints, the consecrated, set-apart ones at Ephesus who are also faithful and loyal and steadfast in Christ Jesus. May grace, God's unmerited favor and spiritual peace, which means peace with God, and harmony and unity and undisturbedness be yours from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. May blessing, praise, adoration, and eulogy be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual, which by the Holy Spirit blessing in heavenly realms. Now let's read four for the fun of it. Even as in his love he chose us, actually picked us out for himself as his own in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy, consecrated, set apart for him, blameless in his sight, even above reproach, before him in love. Amen. 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 I can say amen and sit down. Shoot. Shoot. That's much better than anything I have to say. Shoot. 
but we're going to try to say a little something. Amen. Father, even now, in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, give increase. Lord, give increase. Lord, give it higher than, than, than last week. Give higher than ever before and allow each week to go a little bit higher. Father, move Tracy out the way and do not allow there to be an impediment of what you want to say and how you want to say it. Lord, endue every word with Holy Ghost power that it may penetrate into the innermost part of our being. Lord, speak to our spirits. Speak it in such a way that, that, that the spirit inside says, hallelujah, do it in such a way that it brings about transformation. Lord, do it in such a way that we see Jesus. Lord, even now, saturate this place with your presence. Lord, even that which we don't want to hear, we got to hear. Father, even now, just demonstrate your presence through the preach word. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Allow me to start off just giving us some background because the background of this letter, of this epistle is important for us to connect with it. We need to connect to to why Paul is writing the, the people of Ephesus and, and, and to understand that we are much like they are. <laughs> to understand that the same danger that they are in, we are in. And there is a purpose, there is an underlying purpose of why Paul writes such a letter to the people of Ephesus. The wording of the letter is many times more different than any other letter. Here, Paul searched the riches of who we are in Christ Jesus. The, the only letter that Paul writes that seems to be somewhat the same is the letter to the Colossians. And, and many theologians believe that as he pinned one in jail, he was also writing the other. Listen, Paul is in jail when he writes this. Though in the letter he reaches the mountaintops, in his physical being, he's in the valley low. I mean, I mean, he talks about the greatness of Christ. He talks about who we are in Christ Jesus. And here he is sitting in a dungeon, a wet dungeon, probably tied up, chained up to some soldiers. And he has the nerves to expound how good it is to be in Christ Jesus. Hmm. 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 Paul himself is an example of how to be flying even though your situation says that you're grounded. How, how, how to raise above, how, how to rise above what's happening to you and be thankful for what God is doing in you. He, he is our example of what it means to be, to be bound on one end but free on the other end. 
He is teaching us how to not allow your earthly situation to disturb you and still celebrate what Christ is doing in you because you are in Christ. <laughs> he writes to a people who are accustomed, who understands wealth. They said that in this time, in this city of Ephesus that has taken on the finest of Greek culture, because before the Romans took over, Alexander the Great took over, and he Hellenized most of the known world. That's why they spoke Greek. But they were culturalized also. Listen, in Ephesus, many of the streets was made out of marble. The sidewalks was mosaics that you will walk upon. I mean, they had the great Diana temple that was one of the seven world wonders. They had the Colosseum, and they knew art. They knew sports. They had libraries. These people knew wealth. Like few in that time knew wealth. To be honest with you, they was kind of like America. Uh, why y'all laugh? Because if you go to another country, what you will realize, there's nobody living like you. When I went to Africa, we went into this one village where they did not have running water. So they put a, a milk bottle up, put a hole in it, put a stopper in it, and allowed the water to run out of the bottle to teach the kids how to wash their hands because they did not know how to wash their hands. Walk into a place where the kids have no shoes, never had shoes. And they are celebrating and worshiping God in the midst of their situation, in spite of what they did not have. And here we are, got some of everything. Got some of everything and get upset because we don't have the latest of everything. Listen, riches is not evil, but the love of riches can become your God. And many times when we live in an influent society, the influence of the society begin to rival and wax away our love for God because we don't need him as bad. Amen. We live in, a, in a, a, a capital society, which means that if you work hard, you can make it too. I mean, we, we live where, where you satisfy with your stuff until the Joneses next door drive up with a new car. So now you want a new car. Oh, you were satisfied with the dress you got on till you came to church and saw somebody you don't like and they got the dress that you was hoping to get. So now you mad because... We're just doing fine with what you had till somebody else drove up in something new and now you are dissatisfied. 
Now, I don't know if this story is true, but it beckons like it's human nature. This man built a factory in an island to, to make parts for, for his other factories, and he figured these people needed a job, so he built a factory. The only problem was is that on this island, they had everything they needed. You just climb a tree, get the fruit that you want. You just go a fishing and get some fish to cook. I mean, I mean, that's the natural beauty of this tropical island. It set the tone. So he was paying people good money, and he went to the chief and said, why aren't your people showing up for work? He said, work for what? <laughs> Everything we want is provided by our nature. Do you know where we live? If we want some fruit, we go climb a tree, go get a coconut, drink coconut milk, go pull, pull a, a banana, a, a this and that. If we want some fish, they're in clear water. You just take a spear, you got a fish. The story goes that the man sent catalog, like the J.C. Penney catalog to the hunts of these people, and these people start licking in. You know what? All you have to do is see what other people got, and it brings about a discontent. When folks start looking at the catalog and realize they needed money to buy what was in the catalog, they start showing up to work. Somebody just said, that's us. That's human. And so, why do you think they show and spend millions of dollars on commercials? Why do you think they show us the newest thing, the hippest thing, the make you think you don't have nothing until you got this? In six months, they got something else that is better than what you just bought. And then we want that also. Why do you think most of our kids got, well, not just the kids, the adults got so, so many ladies, got so many shoes. I know I'm stepping on some toes, and let me step. What, what are you saying? Listen, there's nothing wrong with having things, but there's something wrong when things got us. There's something wrong with our contentment, with our satisfaction is tied into what we don't have or what we do have. There's something wrong when we can... This is a test. This is a test. I'm going to let you know before I do it. This is a test. Did you know you highly blessed? Do you know that God has favor on you? There's only one problem I got with that. You would shout louder if you was told you just won a million dollars on a lottery. Oh, yeah. yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> I don't see nobody standing up, running around, because I said you were spiritually blessed. But, but, but let it be told that the lottery ticket you bought last week won a hundred million dollars and show us what they would do. Let, 
even more. Hold on, hold on. Now we know it's true. You know what? You're right. That would be the last Sunday they were at church. Matter of fact, if they learned that they, that they hit it at church, they'd be walking out right now. Wouldn't see them no more. They would hold up the finger. Watch out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The reaction to, to natural riches. The reaction to temporal riches is bigger than our reaction to our spiritual blessings. Which tells me, which tells us that we all have been seduced to some level by materialism of America. That at some level, it has sandpaper away our sensitivity to who we are in Christ. That, that, that we have allowed the riches of our society to even make us think that it measures how spiritually blessed we are. We have connected the car we drive and the house we live in to determine how spiritual we are. And listen, that is not a determination to your spiritual walk. I don't care what the prosperity preachers teaches. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That's the Americanized gospel that has made us think that, that, that God is our, 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 our genie. You rub the bottle and he gives you what you want. Paul begins this letter, and he begins to tell the church of Ephesus. He says, he says, where you live at and what you think you have pales in comparison to what Christ has done for you. Amen. He begins to say is, is, do not allow what you see to take away from what you ought to know. <laughs> He begins to say, he said, don't be deceived by the riches of this world. Because the temporal things are just what I just said. They're temporal. And, and many times we miss God's best because our energy is spent towards trying to get more 
every game. Hold on, hold on, hold on. There's nothing wrong with money. Don't take that as, as what I'm saying. It is the love of. First Timothy 6 and 10. First Timothy 6 and 10. That scripture does not say that money is the root. It says, listen, 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 listen. It's what money avails itself to. Money open up, opens up doors of opportunity. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Listen, listen, listen. It is not that some of us don't want to do, we can't do. Don't have the money to do. But if we ever got our hands... Have we ever had the opportunity? Hold on, hold on. That's why God is not going to give some of us more. Because he knows that if we get blessed anymore, he won't be able to keep us. And the only way he can keep us is to keep us needing him more from a financial standpoint because if he bless us anymore, he sure enough will lose. Hey, let me... Charles Manson, that serial killer during the 60s and 70s, is in jail. He doesn't kill anymore. I did hear a report that he stabbed somebody with a fork because that person stole his potato. But he doesn't steal anymore. But wait a minute. The reason why he doesn't kill anymore is because he's in jail with other killers. Now, if his heart hasn't been changed, and they release him into society. I guarantee you, he'll find a way to kill again. Hold on. The church, God has not removed us from the world. But he put us back in the world and changed our hearts in the world and he takes away the desire that we don't want to do what we used to do. Oh, y'all don't hear me. Listen, listen, listen. It's not the fear of earthly things. It's knowing how to handle earthly things and it's when the opportunity avails itself, you don't because you don't want to, because there's something bigger in you that keeps you. Wait a minute. I'm not talking to people of the world. I'm talking about people in the church. 
And if you really know Jesus, there ought to be a change somewhere. Listen, listen, listen. Temptation's going to come. The opportunity's going to come. But there ought to be something that rises up that though a part of you may still want to, there's a bigger part that says, wait a minute. I've come too far to go back where I came from. Listen, within a, a materialistic society, Christ still ought to rise up in the church and we ought to be different than the world. Look what this says. The love of money is the root of all kinds. That's opportunity. That's all that is. That's opportunity. It says when you got money, it avails itself that you have more opportunity to work more evil. You know what needs to change? Humans' hearts. He's not telling the children, the, the, the Christian in Ephesus, you need to move out of Ephesus. But what he's saying is there ought to be something bigger, greater than the riches of that city that holds you when nothing else can hold you. What you know about Jesus ought to hold you. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. See, what happens is we say, if, if I could get on another job because there are too many sinners on my job, if I could change my, my circumstance. But wait a minute. Whoever told you that your circumstance was ever going to change? The power of God is that it can work in the midst of your circumstance. Even if God don't take you out of what he put you in. Wait, wait, hold, on, hold on. Somebody said, I don't believe he put me in this. Well, if you in the will of God, then it's God that placed you there. Listen, planted you there. Maybe what you're in is a difficult situation, but God is trusting you to show forth the glory of Jesus right where you are at. Listen, anybody can deal with a change of circumstance, but wonder when God don't change it, don't take you out. I mean, in the midst of, and he says, the power, Christ in you is greater than the world on the outside of you. So what I want, I want the Christ in you to show up and show out. It is an opportunity for God to receive the glory. It is an opportunity. 
that people watch you and wonder how you keep your cool. It is an op. That person that always get up under your skin. Uh huh. Yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. That one that make you say some words that you didn't thought you put away, but when they come around, you draw back and. That person that sees you and they smile because they say, I know your number. And they get a thrill out of making you act ugly. I mean, that person who gets great joy out of making you act like them. You see, if this is real on Sunday, then it got to be real on Monday. If God can keep us Sunday morning, then can he keep us Sunday afternoon? Listen, if we sense the power of God in Sunday morning service, then isn't his power just as real Wednesday at work? working with somebody that don't like us and we're not particularly that fun of them. See, 14 times in chapter 1, Paul uses the phrase as a benefit that we are in him. In Christ. Listen, in one chapter, Paul uses the phrase. I, I went back and recounted it. I said, how many times does he write in Christ as a benefit? And because we are in Christ, we are now benefactors of some blessing, Amen. of some gift, yes, of some strength. Of some peace, and I counted it 14 times in one chapter. Chapter one. The secret is: Are we in Christ? Because if we are in Christ, then Christ is in us. <laughs> Listen, if Christ is in us, then there is a transference of the power of Christ that is able to keep us in spite of what's going on around us. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You are not the only one going through something. Matter of fact, if you live long enough, all of us going to go through something. You know, the peculiar thing is about trouble. Trouble know your address. Hold on, hold on, hold on. And trouble got appointments. Her asses with us. 
Hold on. You try to lock your door to keep trouble out? Trouble got a key. I guarantee you trouble got a key. Hold on. You can be minding your own business and turn around and bump into trouble. Hold on. Minding your own business and it got your cell phone number. Will call you on your cell phone and your cell phone unlisted. If it can't get you on your cell phone, it show up on your door and won't leave until you open up the door. And I said, it will open up the key, get out its key, it says, I got a key. I don't know what they're talking about. That's right. Yes, sir, I know you're right. Keep on thinking you, you all that. Keep on thinking you got it made in the shade. <laughs> Keep on thinking can't nothing touch you. Sooner or later. <laughs> Wait a minute. Let me throw another. Let me throw a, 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 a boomerang at you. Sometimes God is the one that told trouble to come get you. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I heard, I heard, I heard this this famous preacher. If I was to say the name, he he worldwide known. He's he's one of those prosperity preachers, and and this is what he said. He said, he says, God is too good to cause trouble to come your way. Why would God? cause trouble to come his children away. You know what? That sounded so good. <laughs> you know, that sounded like, wow. There's one problem with that equation. I agree that God is good. I agree that God wouldn't want trouble to come your way if trouble was going to destroy you. The equation that he did, the problem that he didn't put in the variable he didn't put in the equation is human nature. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Yes, sir. Do you know you? Uh, Hold on. Not to sanctify you. The other you. The you that shows up at inopportune times. The you, you that would mess everything up if God don't put a check on it. The you, you that you used to be before God saved you and it still raises up his ugly head at times. I mean the you, you, the old you. And what trouble does is show you you. Yes, 
so that you can allow God to do a deeper work in you and me. And God, unless God holds up to us the sanctified mirror, we think we already arrived. But when God holds up his mirror, shine his light. Because you know what I like to do? I like to shine my light. Guess what? My light is no good. But when God shines his light, it goes into every crack, every crimmage, every crook, every nook, every... But wait a minute. He's not condemning us. He's trying to make us more like Jesus. What Paul was saying to the church of Ephesus is that you think it's about things, but it's really all about him. And when you got him, you learn to hold on to things loosely. My personal philosophy is that you ought to have one hand What? Uh Uh-oh. The only problem with that position is, is that when you got your hands clenched on earthly things, God has to break your hand in order to make you let it go. (laughs) Or he's going to have to rip it out of your hands and it's going to have to hurt. The only thing that you hold tightly is him. The only thing that you hold on and say, I will not let go, is him. See, because if you got him, you got everything. But everything else, you put your hands on, but you don't hold it too tightly. Because don't tell me God won't take your stuff from you. (laughs) Joe, come here. I thought that God wouldn't take my stuff, but he allowed the devil to take everything I had but my soul. Abraham, come here. What did God do? He took my son Isaac. Wait a minute, Reverend. I know the story. God stopped him, but he had already sanctified Isaac in his heart. He, Isaac was already dead uh-huh. in his heart. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Listen, he will restore what it takes. Uh-huh. And even if he doesn't, heaven is so much better. Yeah. Listen, I, I don't want us to think that God is not a God of pleasure. Who you think made us and gave us the capacity for pleasure? Pleasure is not a component of the devil. He just perverts what God has given. Listen, there is not going to be a party in hell. If you go to hell expecting a party, you're going to be sorely disappointed. (laughs) You know where we get that from? 
we get that from that sin has some pleasure. But the, but the capacity of pleasure comes from God. I remember this candy as a kid. When you put it in your mouth, it was sweet. But the more you kept on sucking it, it got sour. Someone told me at the 8 o'clock that the candy was called sweet and sour. You remember that, huh? It, it had a sweet coating on it. But underneath, when you get through with the sweetness, there's some sour stuff coming. Did you know that Satan got some stuff that when you first taste it, it's, 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 it tastes sweet? But if you keep on sucking, it gets sour. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So, so, so you're going to trick is to, to suck all the sweet and spit it up before it gets sour. Uh, but the problem is when you mess with Satan, you try to spit it out and it won't leave your mouth. There's things, God, if you start it, God's going to make you eat on it until if it's offered to you again, you run from it. Hold on. There's some things you're not going back to. You've been there, done that, hurt that, okay? It cost you too much. And if you see it coming, you running. But you don't have to learn everything the hard way. By now, some of us ought to know better. Some of us ought to know you don't lick it, you don't lick at it, you don't touch it. You run from it. It costs you too much to get where you... Fourteen times he uses the phrase in Christ and 14 times it is used with tagged with a blessing or a benefit. That's how much God wants to bless you and I. That's what he's trying to get our attention, that we may grab hold of the real riches in him and not be seduced by the world. Again, it's not things, it is the love of things. Money is neither good or evil, it's currency to be used, but it is a matter of the heart to see where our heart is at. Because if our heart is not in the wrong place, we will pervert the blessings of God. In Christ, you will discover that he's the best thing. Oh, y'all don't hear me. In Christ, and him in you, you will discover he's the best 
thing that ever happened in you. Listen, I don't know how he does it, but God doesn't have to change your situation to keep you in perfect peace in the midst of your situation. Somehow, God will come and show up and be enough without changing your circumstance. And you'll be able to say, you know what? If he never brings me out, I'm satisfied with Jesus and everything is okay. See, there's a sweetness of Jesus that surpasses even the suffering of the world. Listen, 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 listen. When Jesus got you and you know, know what I say, and you know you got him, you have the ability to turn from listening to, looking at your trouble. Some of us need to quit looking at your trouble. You're going to try to fix it everywhere you can. And if God don't change it, it's not going to change. So you must well quit talking to it. You must well quit listening to it. You must well quit looking at it. You got to make a decision. I'm turning from my trouble and turning towards my trouble fixer. I choose to look to the hills, but with cover of my help, because my help, my help, my, I don't know about your help, but my help, coming from the Lord, I will praise him. I look to him, because I know sooner or later, if he don't change my situation, he'll change me. Won't he do it? See, I'm not talking to a bunch of folks who haven't been through nothing. I'm talking to some folks that's gone through some things. And you still can say hallelujah. You still can give God the highest praise. You still got to strut to your walk. You still say the Lord is good. You still say he's the best thing that happened to me. You still give God the praise. You still come to church anyhow. You still. Isn't it amazing how you can be down and out? The referee is counting you out. But you turn towards Jesus. Start calling on his name. All of a sudden, you start thinking about, I've been through worse things than this. And he brought me out before. So if he did it then, he'll do it now. 
you start remembering, I saw what my mama did. I saw what my dad did. And they were in worse shape than me. But they kept on praying. They kept on reading. They kept on shouting. If it worked for them, it will work for me. Wait a minute. We have too many testimonies in the house for you to lose hope over the devil throwing some stuff at you. Listen, the devil going to do what he's supposed to do. What we got to do, do what we supposed to do. Keep praising him. Keep trusting him. Keep holding on to him. Keep lifting him high. God's not finished with you. The riches, the glory, and the power of heaven is many times manifest in our worst hour. Huh? When you are going through your hardest test, it is an opportunity to see God like you've never seen him before. Job has been through enough stuff that it enabled him to praise God in the midst of. The only thing that Job did, he talked a little bit too much. He thought he knew more than what he really knew. But in Job 42, you hear him after his experience, after God started talking back, he said, I thought I heard, I, I thought I knew a little bit of something, but now that I have seen you, now I know for myself. Listen, what that is saying to me and to you is God takes us through. So we can see more of him. And the biggest blessing that you can receive is to see and to know more of him. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I just heard something. And I'm going to explain this and then we're going home, okay? I heard somebody say, but I'm talking reality. I'm glad you said that. Just because I can touch this don't mean it's more real than the air I can't. A tornado is wind that you can't hold in your hands. But let a tornado come by your house and you see how real... <laughs> Wait a minute. Did you know that the visible world was called into existence by the invisible world? Did you know the God that you can't see 
and fully comprehend stood on nothing and called everything into existence. So which one is more real? That which been created or the one who created it? I think that if you were going to take a test on which one is more real, it would be the creator of things we see and feel and touch. And though we can't touch him, I'm so glad my spirit can feel him sometimes. Shoot. <laughs> but I think because he called everything else into existence, I think he's more real than the things we call reality. If anything is fake, it's this earthly stuff who promises to satisfy you and can't satisfy you. I, I think that the devil has lied to us and tried to make us think that earthly things can do what only God can do. But I'm here to say today that if you are in Christ and Christ is in you, taste and see that the Lord is good, not just sometimes, but all the time. I want to know today, is there anybody in the house that knows that your God is real, that you have tasted and seen He's good, not just sometimes, but all the time. You know for yourself. Don't nobody have to tell you. You know he's good. Even in the midst of the storm, he's good. That you don't mind testifying to everyone. My God, my God, my God, my God. He's my God. I know. I know. He's good. Oh, he's good. Right now, he's good. In the midst of, he's good. Our God, our God, our God is good. There is a reality to heaven. There is a reality, and I'm so glad he gives us just a little bit of heaven. All pleasure will be in heaven. It is a byproduct of the blessing of God. Since mercy, since mercy is removed from hell, there is no pleasure in hell. Watch this. Pilate forever is going to be trying to wash Jesus' blood off his hands. Listen, a person in hell will be stuck where they refused Jesus. Trying to go back and redo what they didn't do. And forever, their mind is going to be in a constant cycle, replaying every incident where they could have 
accepted him, where he showed up, and they rejected him, where he called them, and they didn't come. And it will replay and replay and replay and replay and replay forever and ever. And never. But heaven is going to be. See how good he is. How excellent he is. How he was there all the time. And we're going to shout the victory because we found ourselves in him. In him. In him. Are you in him? Are you in Jesus Christ? Are you sure you were in him? Are you sure? You and him. It's allow him to come in to your life. And it's you and him, him and you for the rest of your life. (laughs) And he's working it out. Through the struggles, through the pains, he's right there. Even through us messing up, he's right there working it out. Because you chose to be in him and he's in you. I got preachers here. I will pray with you to show you how to Let the Lord Jesus Christ in.